got to hear Fred for the first time. I've actually heard of his name for a while because I've been in different missions movements. Um, I was an intercessory missionary at the House of Prayer, and then we went international. We were missionaries in Brazil, and I've been around YWAM for a while. And so, Fred, you've, your, your reputation preceded you even to me. And uh, I got to hear Fred about a couple of years ago at Every Home for Christ, and the sermon, the talk, whatever you want to say he gave, I remember walking out of that, uh, of that place with a burning in my heart to pray for the Lord to raise up laborers from America that would be sent out to the ends of the earth. And I just remember clearly that verse in Matthew 9 where Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers and his sermon and his talk and his knowledge and the wisdom and revelation that he operates in caused, like, it fueled my prayer life for the next season for this. And so, Fred is one of the original uh, crew, one of the, the, that young crew that gathered around Lauren Cunningham and YWAM. There's about 300 when Fred came and joined YWAM as a missionary. And he's not only studied missions his whole life. He's been a part of the missions movement for, I think he said in the first service, for 45 years. 45 years. Now, he started when he was five years old. So, he looks great. (laughs) Sorry. But we have a man who's not only been faithful, but also has given his life to the Word of God and and, and has asked the Lord to give him a spirit of revelation in the earth on missions, and so I would say he's one of the top four, top five, top six missiologists in the earth, and that's just an expert on missions. Miss, missiology is the study of missions in the body of Christ. And so I want you to open your heart to him as we welcome him. Fred, why don't you come up and speak to us? Awesome. Thank Do you, you mind Marcus. if I just pray for you real quick? Great, come yeah. on. Let's stretch out our hands and let's pray for Fred. Lord, Hallelujah, we Jesus. just accept your messenger, and we ask you to open our hearts to what you have to say through your servant. God, we ask you for a spirit of boldness to rest upon him, and we pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit has cultivated in this man of God. Right now, give us ears to hear. And so we posture our hearts before you, Lord, and we say, speak to us through your servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It is so amazing and wonderful to be here with all of you. Uh, I have respected Pastor JR and Pastor Mike for literally decades. Uh, this is one, of, I think, one of the best churches in America, in Colorado, here in Castle Rock. I've just had <laughs> deepest respect for decades, literally decades. You know, and other people who I respect deeply. I saw Jean Stephenson in here earlier. I don't know if she's still here. She's a hero of the faith, really. So I I just feel honored, really honored and privileged to be here with you today. Uh, Don't take it lightly. I don't take it lightly. I'm going to share about the world, about where we're at, the power of God in the world. And the same God who's working with great power in the world wants to work in your life, and right here in Castle Rock too, we'll talk about that. 
Uh, and, but before we start, because a little bit of what I'm going to share is not happy, so a lot of happy stuff about Jesus, then a little bit of unhappy stuff, and then happy stuff about Jesus again. Uh, I want to laugh just because of that. I want us to be happy going into this. Uh, can we put the computer up on the screen? Yeah. My brother's a pilot for United Airlines. He was the captain of the 747 fleet before they retired in October. And he gave me this thing. What they do in airlines, when a pilot flies a plane, he's got to write in a logbook whatever's wrong with the plane. Mechanics have to fix it before the plane flies again and write in the logbook what they fixed. But there's a rivalry between the pilots and the mechanics. And here's a real logbook from Qantas Airlines in Australia that my brother gave me, where you see that rivalry come out, right? So the pilot says, left inside main tire almost needs replacement. So the mechanic said, almost replaced left inside main tire. <laughs> the pilot said, dead bugs on windshield. And the mechanic said, live bugs still on back order. <laughs> uh, the pilot said, DME volume unbelievably loud. And the mechanic said, DME volume set to more believable level. <laughs> the pilot says, friction locks cause throttle levers to stick. Think of what friction does, right? So the mechanic says, that's what they're there for. Duh. <laughs> I'm glad they were causing it to stick. That's what they're supposed to do. Pilot says, number three, engine missing. And the mechanic said, engine found on right wing after brief search. <laughs> uh, the pilot says, aircraft handles funny. And the mechanic said, aircraft sternly warned to straighten up, fly right, and be serious. <laughs> the pilot said, mouse in cockpit. Mechanic said, cat installed. <laughs> yeah. Pilot said, noise coming from under the instrument panel sounds like a child pounding on something with a hammer. He said, took hammer away from child. <laughs> And my favorite, the pilot said, test flight okay, except Autoland feature is very, very rough. And the mechanic said, Autoland feature not installed on this aircraft. <laughs> so I'm sure that was a rough landing. <laughs> really, you guys, we're going into just, uh, we're in an incredible season of the move of the Holy Spirit around the world. And we're going into a challenging season right now and my great hope is in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ through churches just like The Rock. I really do have great confidence in churches like yours to rise up in this hour, really work with God. So I want to encourage you about the moves of the Holy Spirit around the world and what he wants to do in your life too. I'm a firm, firm believer in this ancient battle cry of the church, Christus Victor. It means Christ is the victor. He's already won. When Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, the spiritual battle for the ages was finished. He won the battle once and for all. There is no way the devil can win the war for the planet. It's impossible. It is finished. Christ has won, and we're just enforcing that victory on the earth. The strategic victory in World War II was Normandy Beach. The minute we got our troops stationed on, firmly on Normandy Beach, that's called a strategic victory in World War II. 
It was impossible for the Germans and Japanese to win the war after that. But it was one year and 11 days before they surrendered. So all that was was a cleanup operation. The war was already won. That's the same with the cross. The war was won 2,000 years ago. We've just been in an extended cleanup operation, and we will see the victory of God in every single country, in every place on earth, according to the word of God. We cannot lose. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not overcome it because he's already won. So you don't get discouraged when we lose minor battles in your life or even in the world. Those are just minor battles we're losing. We are wanting that winning the entire war throughout time. In fact, we see that in the book of Revelation. At the end of time, John said, there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, language. So the gospel will take root in every single place on earth. The devil cannot resist it. It's only a question of when. And that depends on us, right? So we are on the winning team. That encourages me. And God tells us how he wants to enforce this victory in Ephesians 3.10. Paul said, it is through the church, through the church, through the church, that the wisdom of God would be known to all the principalities and powers. Paul did not say through the U.S. government, through the U.S. military, through the United Nations. None of these things are the answer for the world. There's only one government of God on the planet, and that is the church of Jesus Christ in all its forms and expressions, exerting the will of God through your jobs, in the marketplace, influencing unbelievers. It's the church that is called to bring this victory of God to the whole world. So that means the condition of the world today is directly the result of what we are or are not doing. If we are the only transformational change agent on the planet, and we are, then what we do or don't do has eternal implications. And the condition of the world, how much is saved, how much is not saved, what's happening in our cities, and our country, it all comes back to what we're doing or not doing. So I just wanna spur us further forward in really pressing into God for this next season, okay? And I know that uh, we're gonna win and that uh, the reason uh, God told us to go to all the world in Matthew 28 is because there's no other transformational agent other than the church. That's why he said go everywhere, because the church is the transformational agent for the whole planet. And I know we've already won, we're just gonna, we have some battles and cleanup to do, you guys. I look at this map whenever I get discouraged. You guys, in every single blue country on that map, the church is growing faster than the population growth rate in that country. In every single blue country. And the 20 countries that are tan and brown are the only place where the church is in decline, right? So when I get discouraged, I look at that and go, praise Jesus, he will build his church. The gates of hell are not prevailing. In the majority of the world, the church is growing faster than the population growth rate. Things like this in Thailand, a Buddhist country, for every new Buddhist, 100 Buddhist babies born, 103 Buddhists turn to Christ. And that's what's happening in every single one of these blue countries. That kind of growth, it's awesome. And you know what, America, that tan country, you know what I wanna tell you? Harvard released a study about eight months ago. They said, you know what? 
Christianity's in decline in America, but they said it's not a bad thing because what is happening is all the sleepy and nominal Christians are falling out and they said what's happening is an intensifying and purifying work in the church that's making it more potent than ever in America. This is what Harvard said. So you guys, we're seeing, uh, we're at a good, good point. Even though the church is on decline in America, we're getting purified and intensified for the race that's ahead of us, okay? You guys, look at the growth of the church globally in just 40 years. In 70, there were 1.2 billion believers, but by 2014, there was 2.6. The church more than doubled in 40 years, which is absolutely unheard of in any kind of religious history. So that's the power of the Holy Spirit. You are alive in a season when God is moving with greater power than ever before on the earth. Now, I hope you are full of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm a tongue-talking, demon-stomping, go-for-it kind of guy. So I hope you are too. Let's pray for the sick. You know, I even pray for the dead. Like, I go out to countries. I'm a missionary. I've been 150 countries. And I'm in India. I'm praying for everyone, the dead, as they're bringing them to the place of the funerals. It's like, it's, I'm never going to see anyone raised from the dead if I don't pray for them. So I keep doing it. Someday it's going to work, right? But it's never going to work if we don't try. But here, God is into infusing his people with the Holy Spirit. Look at the growth of charismatics in 70, only 63 million of us. By 2014, 710. The charismatic church grew 11 times in 40 years, absolutely unheard of. And now the majority of the Protestant church globally is charismatic. What is that telling me? God is empowering an army for the end time battles that are brewing and that he wants to raise us up to defeat the devil once and for all on the planet. I believe that with all my heart. So if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you better go get you some of the Holy Spirit. It's a, he's an awesome dude. Uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Awesome, okay? There's a great book called The Wind in the House of Islam about what God's doing in the Muslim world. Let me encourage you. We see terrorism and bad things happening. But in the Muslim world, we're seeing the move of God unlike anything ever in history. For the first 1,200 years of Islam, there were individual Muslims saved, but no church planning movements, like a church like The Rock that kind of spontaneously launches new churches, whole churches. That never happened. Uh, even though individual Muslims would get saved. But this is what the, what the New Testament encourages us towards. In 1885 was the very first church planning movement ever in the Muslim world. So it was relatively late into Islam. But you guys, look what's happened from 1980 to 2000. Suddenly, 11 major church planning movements uh, were birthed with literally millions of Muslims converting to Christ. But since the year 2000, it's radically multiplied to 69 major church planning movements in the Muslim world. We've never seen that ever in history. You are living in the age where God is penetrating the Muslim world like never before. You're not hearing this on the news because they want to tell you all the bad stuff. I'm giving you the heavenly news report that God has taken on the Muslim world. And that is, that is awesome. In fact, there are nine different geographical regions of Islam. And for the first time in history, 
Only in the past six years, there are now church planning movements in all nine geographical regions of Islam. And it's not an accident you're alive in this, this season of great harvest. It means God is wanting to use your life in this season. It is not an accident he birthed you in this season. He has a plan for your life, for your church in this season of great harvest in the world. And you know what it does? The church of Jesus Christ, when it gets planted, the life of Christ flows out and it starts conquering problems in all societies. You know, the devil comes to kill, steal, destroy, but Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it more abundantly. And we see that through global poverty. In 1990, 52% of the world was in poverty. But I know Pastor JR will remember and Gene Stephenson remember, but there was a thing called the 82,000 movement based right here in our state of Colorado. The greatest 10 years of evangelization the world's ever seen. We planted the church for the first time amongst um, many of the unreached countries. And you know what's happened with the church in those countries? It's conquered poverty. Poverty has gone down to 16% of the world in poverty from 52%. And all of that growth is in the countries that were newly Christianized since the 82,000 movement back there in the 90s. So you guys, that's why Jesus said, go into all the world and plant the church because it is through the church that he wants to make his wisdom known to all the principalities and powers that come to kill, steal, destroy. So the best thing we can do for the world is go preach the gospel, go plant churches because there's no hope apart from Jesus Christ expressed through his people. It says when we worship he inhabits our praises. But it doesn't stop there. What Jesus said, then he's inhabiting, then out of our innermost being, rivers of living waters flow. And so that's what God wants you to be here in Castle Rock and also around the world. So we're living in great season for the kingdom of God uh, growing around the world. In fact, in America, remember I said it's tan, Christianity's declining. We can think that, wow, the atheists are winning, but you guys, they're not globally. Okay, atheism in 1991, only 4.4% of the world, 2006 down to 2%, and projecting the current trajectory, atheists are only going to be 1.6% of the world by 2025, so don't buy into the lie of the devil that the church of Jesus Christ is losing to the atheists. We're not. The church is growing, and atheists are in decline. In fact, 100 years ago, Nietzsche said, God is dead. And you know what God says? Nietzsche is dead. That's the real deal. Atheism is what's dying, not God. And books are being written by non-believers. God is back. How the global revival of faith is changing the world. This is by a non-believer who wrote this, right? You know? It's like I, I, wanted to write, I wanted to write him and say, he never went anywhere. <laughs> he didn't have to come back because he wasn't gone. You just weren't looking, you know. But even secular uh, unbelievers are writing books about, this is the editor of The Economist magazine, the best news magazine in the world based out of London, who wrote this book, right? So it's just amazing what God's doing. Now, here's something I did. I work with the top Christian research center in the world at Gordon-Conwell Seminary, and I said, give me percentage of the world Christians throughout the centuries. I want to do a comparison about the moves of God in our time compared to history. And so the yellow line and the numbers are percent of the world Christian. And I saw something, the church grows and declines, grows and declines. It doesn't grow in a 
just a linear straight up. It goes up, down, up, down, up, down. But the good news is every time it goes down, it comes up to a higher level. So from 20% to 24 to 34, right? So even when we decline, we come out higher. That's because Christus Victor. You know, Jesus is winning. Anyway, when I saw that, some things started to spark in my mind. And I started to think about how, well, I'll just tell you that it's an idea called polarity in international relations. Oh, a better way to say it really quick. The blue are superpowers. When there's one global superpower over the world, the blue phases, look at the steep growth curve of the church. So when there's a global superpower, the church grows rapidly. The red is right after those superpowers collapse, because all of them do. No kingdom, no country, no empire is forever. They all rise and decline. I'm here to tell you America will someday collapse, like everyone before us, someday, you know? And what will happen when that collapse happens? The church declines around the world. So when I saw that and understood it, I said, oh my gosh, America is so important right now. We must preserve the church in our cities. We must re-evangelize America, not just for our own sake so we have better cars and TVs every year, but for the sake of the global growth of the kingdom. I've been telling you about this fast growth. It's because we're in one of those seasons, blue seasons, where America is the one sole superpower. So you guys, God is using our country, the strength of our country, to make a way for the gospel to go to the whole planet. It's awesome. Now, our problem is America's in steep decline. I'm sorry to tell you, this is the sad part. Okay, a little bit sad. America's in decline. We're going into like a civilizational collapse, okay? We are. America needs revival more than anything else. We're going to talk about that. But Jesus can pull us out of this nosedive we're in. But the reason that God wants us to turn our country around is so the gospel can continue to go forth with great power and speedily around the world. So I want to tell you some stories about the power of God to encourage you. Isaiah 52, 10. It says, the Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. God wants all the nations to have the church planted. All the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. They will. There's no doubt about it. Let me tell you, that scripture isn't true yet today. 42% of the world doesn't have the gospel. No missionary, no church, no Bible. 42% of the world. And yet God says they'll all get it someday. So that means we've got some work to do, you guys. Uh, but it will happen, I believe that. Of those people, 2 billion have never heard the name of Jesus one time and 1,700 languages without the Bible. So that's why I want to see America stand strong so that growth curve keeps going up and we can see the victory of God in all the nations like he prophesied. So we actually have the most important role in all the countries of the world. The body of Christ in our country has the most important role right now to work to see revival here, to preserve America's strength so that the gospel can get to that 42% of the world that doesn't have it. Let me tell you how God fulfilled that scripture in a country, a Muslim country in Central Asia. In 1992, I went there and planted a team. It's a Muslim country, uh, only eight believers in the whole country, and they were not from that country. They were foreigners who moved in. 
And the ruling religion was fire uh, Islam and also with a mixture of fire worship, Zoroastrianism. So they have fire temples. Here's the main fire temple in the country. So when we planted the team in there, I brought a team in and we did spiritual warfare around at the, the big, the main fire temple in the country. And we just said, in Jesus' name, we come against uh, the demonic spirits of fire worship and and we come against you know, the ungodly things in Islam in this country, and God, we just wanna see your church planted according to your word. We did spiritual warfare, and you know what happens when you pray and do warfare, you're suppressing the enemy, but also the kingdom of God starts to bubble up, even without you even realize what God's doing it. So we did warfare one morning, and then at noontime, it was time for lunch, we had to go collect water at like a, place. There was no running water in, this, in apartments. We had to get water. There's me. I was younger. I had hair in the striped shirt. was a pastor from Colorado Springs. On the left was a man, Muslim guy from this country, getting water. And as we were collecting water, the pastor from Colorado Springs said, Fred, God just told me to turn to the guy and speak in tongues. He said, what should I do? <laughs> I said, obey God. So he spoke in tongues to the guy who nodded his head and spoke in his language back to the pastor. <laughs> I said, keep going. <laughs> so he, pray, he spoke in tongues for about five minutes. They carried on a conversation. And I said, I want in on this too. This is awesome. So I started speaking in tongues to the guy. He started speaking in his language to us. We talked for 15 minutes. 15 minutes, I took pictures because we didn't have a video camera in our phones in those days. And after 15 minutes, he, he was motioning, stay here. He went home and brought home back his 20-year-old son who could speak English. And his son said, my dad came home. He said, there's a huge miracle at the water place. He said, there are Americans who can speak our language fluently. He said, and this is a big miracle because everyone knows Americans don't speak other languages, <laughs> you know? He said, how did you learn our language? It's not taught in any university in the world. And how did you learn it and how are you fluent? We've only been free from communism for six months. You couldn't have learned. And I said, oh, we have a very special teacher who taught us your language. And he wants to teach you in your life too, you know. And then I pulled out my notebook because God never does anything without a purpose. I said, uh, what did we tell your father? <laughs> he said, oh, you told us you're here to, you love us in service. We love them, we're here to serve them. What else? He said, you're gonna start medical teams to show us how to do medicine better. We will have YWAM missionary medical teams. What else do we tell your father? Oh, you're gonna teach us how to do agriculture better. Better. We'll have YWAM agricultural teams. What else do we tell your father? He said, oh, you told my dad you're gonna start a university. He said, YWAM University of the Nations. You guys, our entire strategy for taking that country for Jesus came from speaking in tongues at a water place. It did not come. None of us had degrees from Harvard, Oxford, Yale. All we had was the ability to hear the voice of God, radically obey, and I'm here to tell you, uh, less than 30 years later, every single thing I wrote that day is happening in that country. God has rocked the place. And it's exactly what God says. Listen, you guys, you are qualified to transform 
Castle Rock. You're qualified to transform Colorado. You're qualified to transform America because it doesn't take letters after your name. All it takes is the ability to hear God and obey, and God will use you to turn cities, countries, nations upside down. That's all it takes. In fact, there is no course at Harvard in how to speak in tongues at a water place and get strategy for nations. That course does not exist. You only learn that in the house of God. It is through the church that God wants to make known his wisdom and power to the world. So you are the most important people in the world. I don't have time to tell you that. In that country, eight believers in 1992. In 2018, 300,000 <laughs> believers because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's what Jesus said. We planted a church planting movement, and now last year it was announced it is seventh in the list of the top 10 countries with the fastest growing Protestant churches in the world. This is what God can do through normal people like you who worship, let God inhabit your praises, then you let the rivers of living water flow out of you in the workplace, in the marketplace, everywhere you go. So God wants to use you in your own city and in our country. Oh, another story real quick, yeah, real quick. God says, my name will be great. It will, will, will be great amongst the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place, every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great amongst the nations. Still 42% of the world where his name isn't great, where they don't have churches, Bibles, missionaries, 42%. So this scripture is gonna happen because the battle is won on the cross. We're just in the cleanup operation of enforcing that victory in the nations by bringing the church, right? So let me tell you about a country called Bhutan, one of the most closed countries on earth. Um, very hard to get into. You have to win a lottery to get a few visas every year. They keep it closed to preserve Tibetan Buddhism. I won a lottery to go in in 98, 1998. I went in with a team. And the place I wanted to go, it's called Taksang Monastery. Uh, it's up about 6,000 feet on, uh, on the uh, sheer rock face mountain. And the reason I wanted to go, went there, go there, it was the source. We know it was the original Tibetan Buddhist monastery in the country that then spread Buddhism through the whole country. So it was the root. And when Jesus cursed the fig tree, he went to the root and cursed the root, not just the branches. So I wanted to go there and be the church of Jesus Christ that enforces the victory of God through prayer and intercession. So I was with a pastor from Kansas City, so another young guy, and we were climbing up. It was behind, uh, behind us. He looked down on it at one point, and I got all the way over to the steps. And they won't let you in unless you're a Buddhist, right? So I sat on the steps. I said, Jesus, I didn't come halfway around the world just to sit on these steps. I want to do Joshua 1, verse 3. Every place where you put your foot, I will give it to you. It's a spiritual principle. Get your feet on things. So when Abraham got to the beginning, to the edge of the promised land, what did God say? Walk the length and breadth of the land. Get your feet on the whole place. When the Israelites got to the border of the promised land, what did God say? Take 12 men and go north, south, east, and west. Get your feet on, on every inch of the property. Get our feet there. In Acts 17, Paul's preaching in Athens. He said, I was, I've been in your city many days walking around. <laughs> he wasn't a tourist. 
<laughs> he was praying, doing Joshua 1-3, getting his feet everywhere. He said, I've been walking around, and now I'm ready to speak to you, right? So being that, doing that kind of get your feet in their intercession is critical. You can do that in your city. You can do prayer walks around your um, city, city council, the mayor's office. You can do prayer walks around your schools that God would come in revival. Prayer walks around banks, you know, which economic institutions, the enemy uses that actually to control people's lives, to be honest. And so you can get your feet all over your city to see a move of God. Anyway, I'm sitting there, I say, God, I want to get my feet in there. You've got to do something. So I prayed for a half hour, God, get me in, because you can open doors that no man can close. That's what your word tells me. And I prayed for a half hour, nothing happened. So I thought, well, I've got to kind of up the ante, spiritual ante. So I said, God, I'm going to fast. I'm starting a fast. Apparently prayer wasn't enough. I need to fast too. So I'm starting a fast. I'm going to fast till you open the door, right? And you guys, like four minutes later, after a four-minute fast... <laughs> Suddenly, the door opens, the leader of the monastery comes down, and their national language is English, believe it or not, in Bhutan. And he said, I would like to invite you into Taksang. He said, and I said, I wanted to prove it was God. I said, I am not a Buddhist from Boulder, Colorado, <laughs> who's here on a pilgrimage, because <laughs> they, they only let Buddhists in, and sometimes Western Buddhists go. I said, I'm not a Buddhist. I'm a Christian. And he said, I know you're a Christian. Your guide told me you're a Christian. He said, I'm still inviting you in. You'll be the first non-Buddhist in 1,200 years to ever set foot inside this temple. That is what our God can do. What challenge do you have in your life? God is big enough to tackle any challenge you have in your life right now. He can open doors that no man can close. He can destroy the works of the devil. He, oh, mm, Christus Victor for your life, not just for the nation. So I walked, I, I went in, as I'm going up the stairs, the guy said, uh, no pictures, no pictures. So I'm, I'm a bad boy. <laughs> I'm b -b -b bad to the bone. <laughs> so I said, no pictures, okay. So I took my camera, I put it under my arm. <laughs> and then when I got in there, I was walking around going, snap, <laughs> snap. <laughs> so I have the only pictures ever in history from inside Taksan as a testimony, a trophy to the Lord Jesus Christ of his ability to open doors that no man can close. This is a place where they would go in to pray, an old monk that came up to die. And as I was walking around inside, I just said, Jesus, I'm the first Christian in history to be in this place. So I just don't want to pray out of my own mind. I want to, understand, I want to pray your prayers. What should I pray, God? Tell me what to pray. And the Lord just gave me one phrase out of the book of Hebrews, just not even a whole scripture phrase, our God is a consuming fire. That's the only revelation I had from God. So I walked around a half hour just quoting that. Our God's a consuming fire. Our God's a consuming fire. Didn't know why. Left. Three months later, got a phone call from a member of the team. Said, Fred, did you see the, the morning headlines in the newspaper? I said, no. He faxed them to me because back then that's what we used. And it said this, Buddhist monastery destroyed by fire. Fire has destroyed the 1,200-year-old Taksang Monastery, the most holy monastery in the reclusive Himalayan kingdom of Bhutan. 
you guys, it was made of solid rock. And the article says, how does rock burn? It burned. <laughs> you know, they couldn't find a reason for the fire. All the monks got out safely. None was harmed. That's our God. In Zephaniah 2.11, we get the standard of God. He judgment on the structures of idolatry, mercy on the people caught up in idolatry, right? In Zephaniah 2.11, the Lord will be awesome when, not if, he destroys all, not some, of the gods of the land. The nations on every shore will worship him, everyone in their own land. Destruction on the structures of idolatry, mercy on the people. They all got out safely, right? And then it shook the faith of the Bhutanese people. They said, if our gods cannot even protect our most holy temple, then maybe they're not the true gods. And they were open for the first time in history. So I and others worked to get Nepali believers to go like just to the next country. You guys go preach in Bhutan right now, you guys. And for the first time in history, an underground church was established in Bhutan because of the power of God, just because I did this and others, millions of others praying. I just happened to be the last icing on the cake where that last prayer filled the bowl in heaven and the angels poured it out. That's all it was, right? I just played my, I was the last drop in a bowl full of gallons of water that Christians have prayed, millions of Christians have been praying for Bhutan. So you guys, in 1998, only four believers in the country. Today, 12,500, unheard of in that part of the world. That's what our God can do. Nothing is too strong for our God. Nothing can stand against him. He can go where nowhere else can go. He can overturn uh, systems and everything in place, godly and ungodly. And if he can do that there, he can do it in your life. He can do it with your financial challenges. He can do it with your relational challenges. He can do it with any challenge you have in your life. Our God is Christus Victor. He will have victory in your life if you turn to him and cast yourself upon him. I believe that with all my heart. Okay, so let me just tell you quickly. Ooh, I've got to shut up in just minutes. Okay, can't tell you that. Okay, go, go, go. Alex, go to... I think it's 59. Okay, what do we need to be doing in this season, you guys? Let me tell you. We're going into a season where right now every global analyst says America's in civilizational collapse, that our, our civilization is actually collapsing. Uh, we can probably make it the, as maybe up to 2025, but there will be a civilizational collapse in America. Every global superpower, from their birth to their collapse, has been between 200 and 250 years, everyone in history. There's been 26 before us. We're the 27th in 5,000 years of history of global superpowers, 27th. And every single one, 200 to 250 years from the birth of their nation to their collapse. We're at 240 years in. That's where we're at now, 241 years in. We're right. So we're going into a collapse. However, We've never had a global superpower as Christianized as America is. The ones before us that collapsed didn't have as many Christians as we had. That gives us an advantage. I believe we can be the first civilization like that that will dodge this bullet if we have a revival in America. And this is where you come in, you guys, because you know what? 
here's a couple things we need. We need a revival. It's God who changes the times and seasons. He raises up kings and tears them down. It's up to God. And you know what is promised? Righteousness exalts a nation. Unrighteousness tears it down. So what do we need? A genuine revival in our country to stop our decline and see our country stand strong so that the gospel continue to spread throughout the earth, okay? So we need a revival. And we know Chronicles 714. Many scholars say that can't apply to America. It only applies to Israel. I disagree with them, but let me give you a better scripture. It's in Jeremiah 18.7. God says, if at any time I announce that a nation, not just Israel, at any time, so it doesn't matter where it's history, any time ever throughout all of history, any nation that I've declared judgment, they turn around, I will bless them. I will stop their collapse. This is our promise, you guys. We need to work for revival. One of the things that we really need to do, I don't have time to tell you all that. Alex, would you go to the graphs on the missions thing? And I'll be done in just minutes here, you guys. There are seven elements of a true revival, you guys. Seven elements. The first one is what we call pietism. Repent of your sins. Get your relationship right with God. That's what we had in the first and second great awakenings. Pietism, pietistic revivals. But there are six other elements we haven't had that we need right now. So I want to tell you where to find them so you can pray. Go to the website of our ministry. We developed it to give you resources. Generationhero.org. Go to generationhero.org. Click on a button on the, on the front page that talks about revival, and you'll see the seven points of revival that we need to see in our country. I want you to pray for each one of those seven points, okay? So pietism is the first one. And I'm working, God's called me to uh, spearhead a movement of getting ministries and movements working together to work for revival in America. It's, it's kind of shocked me. I'm saying, God, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't have time. I don't have the capability. You know, I was trying to reject, honestly, I was trying to reject this call to try to start a help lead, help lead a movement to revival. I was at IHOP uh, a month ago, and I went into the prophetic prayer room. No one knew me there. And the first thing the woman says is, God tells me you're Noah and he wants you to build a boat to see America saved. I'm going, okay, okay, God. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do that. But what I've done, you guys, let me tell you what's happening, what's coming. It's not me, it's God doing it. Is I've collected a leadership team and already 64 major international ministries who are agreeing to work together, work together to see a massive revival in America and a re-evangelization of all our cities. 64 major international ministries. And then the Lord said, pull together a leadership team of men of prayer. So it's myself, my pastor from Alabama, man of prayer, Chris Hodges, second largest church in America. It's Dutch Sheets, who's a prophetic intercessor, some of you may know. Lou Engel, the call, the send. Uh, Mike Bickle from International House of Prayer. God's called us together to work together for revival in America. You're going to hear more about it towards the end of this year or next year because part of revival in America means revival in Castle Rock and Colorado as part of America. So we're going to put all of you guys to work. So God, God wants to see our country turn around. And you'll be hearing more about that. But if you go to generationhero.org and click there, you will see the seven points of revival 
um, that you can be praying for right now. Bro, go to those graphs again. One of them, one of them out of the seven, I have to tell you is we must see a new mission sending movement. For the first time in history since the year 2000, the mission force is in decline. Every year since Christ, missionaries have grown in the world. That's why the gospel's going to the world. Since 2000, we've seen a 13% loss in the mission force for the first time in history. And the majority of that loss is from America. We've lost a third of our mission force. 40,000 missionaries are lost to the field since 2000. And it's devastating the cause of Christ globally going forward. So part of revival is we must raise up a new mission-sending movement out of America. So that's one of the things to pray for because it's through the church that God wants to suppress the Iranian nuclear program, not the U.S. military. It's through the church that God wants to suppress North Korea and Russia and China and everyone working against the gospel. We've got to send more missionaries. So I want you to pray for revival. I want you to pray for the release of new missionaries, okay? And so, um, Alex, would you, would you just put up the very last scripture, the Matthew 18? Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not overcome it, okay? So you guys, we will win. We're gonna win. I'm sorry, I, I meant to get happier. So I'm gonna get happier. We're gonna win. <laughs> it's impossible to lose. That's the truth. That's the truth. Whether we win now or generations from now depends on what you do. There's no doubt we're gonna win. The question is when. So here's the, the last thing I wanna challenge you with. We will win. I want you to pray for those seven points of revival, but right now, more than ever, we need new missionaries. In Mark chapter one and two, Jesus called Andrew, Simeon, uh, James, John, Levi. He said, leave your nets, follow me right now. They left their nets instantly. One of the biggest things we need to do is fix this problem of not sending enough missionaries. So I wanna give a Mark 1 and 2 call right here today. I need people who will come and work with me to help spearhead this initiative for revival. And I need young people who wanna to go to the nations, be trained to go to the nations. And here's why it's a Mark 1 and chapter 2 call. We're starting our next training program in one week from today. How serious are we about turning the world around? I wanna challenge you, there may be some young people in this room who can drop everything you're doing and say, here am I, send me. If you may be one of those people, go to generationhero.org and you'll have instructions there about what you need to do. But you guys, the hour is dire, but our God is bigger than that. He will build his church, the gates of hell will not prevail. How fast that happens depend on us. I want to call you today to prayer and to action by new sending in the name of Jesus. God, I lift up my friends. Lord, you're doing powerful things in the world, potent things in this church. God, that all worship service, God, just bless my soul. Lord, and I thank you for the prophetic word that someone came and gave me right here in this building today. It was life to my soul and exactly what I needed to hear. So I thank you for the work of God in this place. I pray every blessing of heaven on everyone in the Rock Church here in Castle Rock, God. 
bless them with intimate relationship with Jesus, that they see Jesus more every day in your word and in prayer, God. Expand their vision of who you are. Bless their emotions that they're strong and resilient. Bless their minds to think sharply, God. Bless their bodies with health, God, that you can use them in this city and the ends of the earth like you're already doing, Lord. They're doing awesome things in missions already. Bless them for that, God. Give them strong bodies to serve you, God. And I pray this, Lord. I pray that you make every one of them feared in hell, God. Make them feared in hell and revered and honored in heaven. God, that's what I pray. Bless all of my friends so that through them, you could bless all the nations. Do all this in Jesus' name, God. We thank you for your great move around the world. We want to see it continue, God. We say, here we are, God. Use us in your time and in your way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.